this is worse than a monkey's uncle? I, I don't know. We're talking Leo the Lion on today's... We're not affiliated with Netflix. Welcome to Kidflix, the podcast where adults try to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made. I'm your host, Ross Wiseman, and this show is not for kids, so turn this off, pick your nose, and then touch all of the unpackaged fruit in the supermarket. Uh, My guest today, he is half of the uh, sketch duo, The Amazing Flying Edelman. You can see him at a bunch of different shows every month in the Philadelphia area. It's John Edelman. Hi. Hey, hey, Ross. How's it going? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? You don't have to do like a radio voice. Just hey, I'm uh, I'm here to talk to you about movies. Breaker, breaker. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing well. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think <laughs> we're already kind of tiptoeing because we are discussing uh, Leo the Lion, um, which is uh, one of those movies that I no one I think has heard of. It's like you have to you have to dig through like to the back of Netflix to find it. It's I think you need to in, enjoy masochism. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and search it out in order to to find this movie. Yeah, so t- so tell me a little bit about your history with this film. Oh, geez. Um, so my sister and I, uh, the other half of the Amazing Flying Edelman, Marissa, um, we're like shit film buffs. Am I allowed to curse? Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. That has an explicit um, marker on it. Yeah, You're good. Right, good. Um, yeah, we love terrible movies, and we were looking for some probably uh, I want to say four or five months ago, uh, and we stumbled upon Leo the Lion, which. Uh, Found out it was partially funded by the Italian government. Yeah. <laughs> um, it has a vegetarian lion, and it's unclear what their stance on vegetarianism is based on the film, but they <laughs> hammer that he's a vegetarian throughout the film. Uh, there's no continuity. They change perspective. At certain points, you feel like you're in a video game. Oh, the entire time you feel yeah, like you're in a video game. Also, the weird thing is, I think it was made in like 2003. But it was picked up, even worse, by the Weinstein Company for distribution in, like, 2013 or 14. Yeah. So it it was sitting on the shelf for, for you know, obvious reasons, mostly because it's terrible. Uh, and then Harvey Weinstein and all of those terrible people were like, you know what? The world <laughs> needs this. And it's one of those movies where even though it's backed by a big studio, it's a direct-to-video movie, they couldn't get anybody really notable to be a part of it the the only person that i could semi recognize was uh the lead actor who voices leo uh which is a guy named daniel ammerman he plays mark cherry in season four of arrested development yes i'm going to agree with that but i'm not sure <laughs> that is that is the only I... person i don't recognize john Segan, Matthew Mercer, Debbie Derryberry. I'm pretty sure. My, so my sister told me that a lot of, and I'm taking her word for this. She said that they're like significant or prominent voice actors. That's the only saving grace is that they had people saying the words who had done other things. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess that's true. I'm not super versed in um, voiceover uh, stuff. But and I it mean, was absolutely voiceover. They were not voicing these characters. It was like they got a blank film and were just trying to fill the words in. Yeah. Okay, the guy that played um, a character named Uncle Lope. Get it? Um, he, is that like Antelope? Yes. Because he is an antelope. Yes. But he's his uncle. Um, and so he's he's done a lot of voice with like regular show. He helped with Inside Out, Minions, Monsters U. So, okay. So, yeah, she's right that these are just kind of 
uh, working voice after. Oh, the one guy seems to do video games. That's cool. Uh, sorry, he had to do this. That would it would make a lot of sense based off how this was. I wanted to say filmed, but I'm not even sure how they put this together. And you know what? Okay, the one. Okay, so I made fun of the voice at the name Debbie Derryberry, but I just recognized that name and looked her up. She voices Jimmy Neutron. Okay, so she's she's legit. Yeah, and she play she's pulling double duty playing both baby elephants with their distinct uh, voices and personalities. Oh, and the fact that their tails are tied together the entire film, which is not explained, and then at the end magically their tails come apart as if to say Well love we- will untie you. Yeah. Well I so my thought was that their tails were tied together because like that would I thought it was like an umbilical cord thing. Like in my head I was oh. like, Oh, twins are born with like some appendage together, that's you're you're giving this film a lot of credit by yeah. thinking that. My first thought was, oh, this was a mistake on their part. It's this this film is so riddled with errors and misunderstandings of reality that it's it's difficult to say what their intention was. Yeah, like the chameleon. There's a chameleon that re, that uh, just quotes Hamlet and. You know how oh, chameleons will just disappear completely? Yeah. That's what she does. Like, not even, like, a fade-away, like, Randall and Monsters, Inc. It's just fully just, oh, she was there and now oh, yeah. she's, she's magical. Invisible. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure, isn't she magical? And yeah. she randomly has heads of other characters? I thought that was, like, another weird chameleon thing. Yeah. Oh, that she was kind of taking on different characteristics? Yeah. but that doesn't make sense. No, not at all. And I think she, she does have a musical number. And in that musical number, she's not even close to singing on beat. None of them are. It's this one's like the I think this most significant. Like she's singing in a different time signature altogether. <laughs> it is insane. This is very frustrating. This is the second week in a row of this podcast where we're dealing with really bad, unmemorable musical numbers where no one is like keeping in tune at all, keeping in sync in tune. It like it's such a weird, frustrating yeah. coincidence. Also, there are like four songs, and I'm pretty sure they take up like. 18 minutes of the movie they are they're all far too long um yeah they're, they're verbose they're they're like it's it's absolutely insane that somebody actually looked at the script for the for this film and looked at these songs and we're like yeah this is this is appropriate for people to take in yeah and i mean i don't want to borrow the whole shtick of another podcast but like you're right how did this get made <laughs> like how like i oh, here comes jason manzoukas yeah. yeah oh hey what's up jerks <laughs> Yeah, that was weird. I kind of pulled that off. Yeah. Not really. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with it. I yeah, agree. thank yeah. you. Um, but because <laughs> I'm, I, every company in the world is just so scared right now. I think with just like we need to be pumping out all this content. Like Absolutely. Netflix is just oh we'll co-produce this show in Armenia and then now it'll be a Netflix original for the rest of the world and <laughs> none of us care about that. So I'm. This has got to be a part of that. That. Um, Weinstein Company, cause they, I don't think off the top of my head that they've produced too many kind of animated kids' movies. I think they're just the distribution company, and they just, like, slap their name on it. Okay. Because I, I read an article from, like, do you know what year this was, like, put on Netflix, does it say? So, it um, it was released by uh, Weinstein Company, and I promise we'll slow down with saying Weinstein. Weinstein. Um, but, uh, I don't want to say that again. <laughs> uh, uh, it came out in 2013. Yeah, but it was it was made in like 2004, I think. Yeah, 2004 came out in 2005, I think, in Italy. Was that like the chocolate rain thing you just did? Yes. 
I, I move away from the mic uh, to kind of breathe, sniffle, and uh, take sips. Of... Oh, we're, we're, we are both uh, Jewish, so I understand that. I am, yeah. I am just phlegm, a, a, constant, <laughs> a constant stream of phlegm from top to bottom. Well, my brother's wedding, for a, a week before it, I got super congested and just a cold, <laughs> and I was like taking Dayquil's just oh, so much of it. And two days before the wedding, I still was kind of talking in a weird voice. And uh, my brother's now wife, who's a nurse, she was like, I, yeah, you shouldn't take DayQuil. That does absolutely nothing. <laughs> so then I felt like an ass, and I took Sudafed once, and I was 50,000% better. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we, I, I, I'm at a point where I'm just sick for two, three weeks at a time, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, this is my life. See, I'm, I'm the inverse. I'm, like, not sick for two or three weeks at a time. It always sounds like I have a cold. <laughs> I can, as you were saying that, I was like qu- being quiet and just feeling like just a constant like dribble down the back of my throat. Like, do you ever get that thing where you breathe and it sounds like you're an old man? Just like you hear like a, and then like you hear it's kind of like a, it's like cave. a whistle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like wind through through a cave. Yeah. It's just like oh, exactly. I'm dying. And I will say, um, I, this is definitely inherited. My dad. I, he used to wake up the entire household. He would be the first one up, take a hot shower, and you hear him, like, hocking loogies <laughs> in the bathroom because of all the steam loosening everything inside his face up. I don't even know if that man had a brain. I'm pretty sure it was just, like, one giant snot ball that rested <laughs> inside of his skull. The, I, my mom wouldn't like me mentioning this, but, I mean, she uh, she wouldn't – she obviously wasn't to that extent, but she would just kind of, like, randomly get phlegm in her throat and spend 30 seconds – Interrupting a, a regular conversation to like go to the sink and just hawk. <laughs> uh, so sorry, mom, if you're listening, but I don't think she does because um, it's hard to do so. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, the I I was just so angry watching this. I I took notes during it, and uh, one, two, three, four. The sixth note is just "fuck you, John." <laughs> I I knew you were gonna feel this way. I tried to show it to people. Uh, like some people in the Philly comedy scene, uh, we got about five minutes in. One person, uh, Bobby Hayes, I don't know if you know him. I don't think I do, uh, no. He does improv and some other stuff around the city. Uh, he was the only one. He was like, fuck yeah. Like, this is incredible. How was anybody allowed to do this? And then show it to people. <laughs> uh, and then everybody else in the room was like, John, we're going to throw you out of the window. Like, you you shouldn't be in this room with us anymore. Yeah. I mean, that it's so hard because everybody... Everybody thinks like, oh, you know, it'd be fun if we like all went over a house and we just watched a bunch of bad movies. But then people forget, oh, watching a bad movie means you're not going to be enjoying yeah. it. It needs to be like exceptionally bad. And I think... I think that's it. On Yeah, I agree. I think this movie kind of works on that. Like, I think uh, you and I, we need to kind of figure out how to make this kind of like a The Room experience. Like, when people like yell stuff <laughs> or like, obviously... Everybody needs to learn all the words to um, Leo the Lion's ending rap about oh, being I'm a vegetarian. vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. Also, the, like, so the song at the end is called I'm a Vegetarian. It's about nine minutes long. Um, and uh, this is just to hammer home the fact that he's a vegetarian, um, which he mentioned throughout the film. It has no impact on the plot at all, besides that everybody is just like, you're that lion who's a vegetarian. Well, I will say it kind of factors in when uh, Maximus Elefante, which is a character's name, he... Um, Do you want to repeat the name one more time? Yeah. <laughs> Maximus Elefante? Yeah. Um, oh, what, a, what a great name. Well, it comes into play when he 
tries to like wed the elephant queen so he becomes the king of the elephants. Yeah. Oh, uh, we need to back that up probably a little bit. Um, sure. So Maximus Elefante uh, has the queen's, I guess the king, killed by poachers. It's very unclear. It goes into like sort of like a Call of Duty mode. Yeah. Uh, and you see the betrayal, like first person shooter circa like 2006. And uh, from Uncle, a helicopter. And Uncle Lope says, I saw this go down, but didn't say anything. For, I assume, like, years or months. There's no time in this world. That's what... I I, I couldn't get really a, a feel on that. It was like, Leo is a cub, and then his mom dies horrifically. Like, I would argue more horrifically than uh, Mufasa in The Lion Oh, King. absolutely. And it's almost like the film is, like, laughing at all the terrible stuff that's happening. It doesn't take it seriously. It just shows it. Yes. Out of nowhere, the emotional impact isn't felt by the characters. You're just supposed to understand that he lost his mother and not see him, like, struggle with it. Yeah, it's just like he's more afraid of water. Yeah. Which is... So, anyway, how um uh, Ma- uh Leo's mom dies. And uh, she also, I don't think, gets a name in this movie. I think she's just, like, Leo's mom is the character yeah. name. But she is, like, trying to teach Leo to hunt. And he's like, but mom, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> and then... Um, she jump, she falls in the water and she oh. just gets swept away by, um, rapids. And that's not even it. So you see a huge, huge waterfall, Oof. like, um, comically large, like a Ben and Jerry cartoon, not Ben and Jerry, Tom and Jerry <laughs> Ooh, ice cream waterfall. Oh God. <laughs> like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. And she, you see her fall. She gets smacked by these oh, two like, like, huge boulders. You hear bone on rock. Yeah. <laughs> this is for kids. And then you miss her falling, but then she falls into water and she's motionless. No blood at all, but she's just dead and oh, gone. She's, they definitely show, show like the life leaving her body. Um, the thing that bothers me a lot, and I, I think this is the first instance of a Lion King ripoff in this film. Or Lion King like stealing from the Lion King. Yeah. She's hanging onto that cliff like Mufasa, 100%. And the only thing they change is there's not antelopes down there running. It's, it's water. water. Uh, and also, um, the villain, Maximus Elefante, there are all these like hyenas around. Oh, and they yes. are very clearly just character. There, there's also a, like a clearly crazy hyena with crazy eyes that's laughing. Yeah. Which is, they, that one they didn't even try and hide. They just basically, like, did some, like, clip art from Lion King into this film. Yeah, like, I, I took um, a 3D animation class in high school, and, like, this is... I feel like the people that made this movie completed, like, the next class. <laughs> like, they're just kind of, like, they're using the default computer settings for walking or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Also, it doesn't make sense how they depict the different animals walking. Like, zebras barely touch the ground in this. And oh, they're, they're all like, moving they, in unison. It's like copy-paste, copy-paste, yeah. copy-paste, copy-paste. Well, and There's all, a herd. And they're all walking, going off of that, like a child kind of miming, walking with, yeah. uh, like, a, a, a little action figure. Yeah, it's really unclear the walking dynamic they were going for. Because some are more accurate than the others. Like, the elephants are all right. Except sometimes they do, like, random slow-mo Yes, and uh, one of the IMDb fun facts just says that isn't real slow mo, because actual yeah, it's not. Yeah, because actual slow mo is like oh you like at least for CGI I guess it would like you would 
animate more frames or whatever and make it smooth. They, exactly. They literally, I guess, they were just like, this movie is so short. And they just slowed down just regular animation. So, like, you can just see, like, pictures going by, essentially. Yeah. I, speaking of how short the film is and padding it, it... I my brain I can't even process it. They they show certain scenes like three or four times. Like oh. they have, they have flashbacks like immediately after. <laughs> like his mom dies, and then like five minutes later, he has like a flashback to his mom dying. Yes, and uh, uh, also um, all of these different scenes start with just Leo and a group of animal babies walking together, and it's like the same sweeping shot behind yeah. them. Um, but I think the best example of reusing video, uh, clips is at the end so spoiler uh, go see this on Netflix if you haven't seen it there, there's um, no way to spoil this movie <laughs> it's been it was it was made spoiled but uh, uh so uncle lope um gets thrown against a rock by maximus elefante and it's i don't like how i'm getting used to saying that name um but he is presumed dead and so leo starts crying um, and it shows a flashback, all these flashbacks from the movie of... It's it's mainly just clips of it's Uncle Lope. It's every scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every single scene. And uh, th- like two or three different times, uh, uh, Uncle Lope does this weird bit where he his teeth fall out and he s- s- spits them back in. It, they're presumably dentures, but He's an these antelope. are fucking wild animals, so how does he have dentures? And it would have been a funny bit if it happened once at the beginning and then once kind of towards the end. You're like, oh, yeah, that's a thing that he does. All, but every yeah. scene, he does that at one point. He can't speak without his teeth almost falling. It, this movie is nightmarish when you really think about it. <laughs> yeah, and so Uncle Lope dies. We see all the great memories that we had in the movie. Which with is, him. they literally show every scene he's in. It's, a, it's like a montage of like 20 Uncle Lope scenes. And also, uh, I thought it was so weird. So they have, like, sad music, but there's no words. Like, it's not... They have all these dumb songs. They didn't think to have, like, one of just, like, Missing You, Uncle. Or, like, some weird crap yeah. like that. But it's just, like, they went to the royalty-free sound library. Absolutely. And we're just like, great, we'll paste that in. There's no sound effects of the scenes. You don't hear anybody laughing, like, in the scenes. So it's just, like, silently watching... It's this character you don't so really weird. care about. I, I every time like I try to like address one aspect of the film, my brain begins to short out because I can't. You you brought up the crying, how uh, Leo was crying after Uncle Lope died. I mean, he I, doesn't have tears because I mean, animating tears sounds yeah, hard. But it, <laughs> there are a few animals crying. There's a lot of there's a lot of hardship in this film that is not taken seriously at all, which I love. They're earlier in the film, so uh, the queen uh, is separated from her two babies. Yeah, there are also like nine nine storylines going on simultaneously. None of them yeah, were. It's showing. basically like Rashomon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and nobody actually knows what the actual story is, so they're all just thrown in their two cents. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the queen is crying because uh, the babies are gone. This is and Leo the lion walks up. And she has one tear coming down. He walks up and licks the tear off of her face. Oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. He licks the... Also, it's like the CGI... It's the single tear and it's clearly not liquid in any way, shape, or <laughs> form. It's just like a it's like small a, yeah. white dot that comes out of her eye and he eats it and then asks her what the problem <laughs> is. Uh, I, I also just like... I wrote down just different lines because like... It all kind of blends together after a while, but a couple yeah. that really stood out to me. First of all, so the movie 
is narrated by old Leo. Oh yeah. Um. So the way this is told makes no sense. The so the it's you see old Leo at multiple points, like telling this to presumably his kids or someone. So you know he lives. So immediately, no stakes, zero stakes. He's going to be well. Fine. Zero stakes because he's a vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Ross. Yeah. Um. So. We know that, but the the voice when they show him speaking as an old lion is different than the voiceover for the film. So presumably he's telling this, but there's also a third party who is telling this while they're showing it. I honestly thought it was Uncle Lope for a while. Like I did not make the connection. Like oh, that's old Leo. Um, but also, the, so the first line uh, of the movie is just oh god, this is the tale of Leo the lion, a very different kind of lion indeed. Because, guys, he's a vegetarian. Yeah. Like... We can't, uh, we can't reiterate this enough. No. I, we're going to mention it a lot. But, like, I... This movie is just so hell-bent on explaining every single thing to a child. Like, um, one... Honestly, one of the reasons I started this podcast is movies like this, where they're created because it's like, oh, a ki- like it's a kid's movie. We got to, you know, make stuff for kids. But they are just like, oh, they're stupid kids, so they don't understand anything. Yeah. So it's like, they, so like this movie just goes on and on and on about different things. Like, but that's not even the hardest thing. <laughs> or, but they, there was something else. It, it's almost as if they're trying to come down to the level of a child, but they just assume the children know nothing. So that, yeah, to your, like, they say he's a vegetarian, like, 30 times, and try to explain why that's weird, him being a lion and him being a vegetarian. And it's, also, every single character in this film persecutes the fuck out of Leo for being a vegetarian. Yeah, because there there are these, like, kids at the beginning. I think his mom had just died. Oh, yeah. Like, she's, like, her body is still warm. Yeah. And they're, they're just like, oh, Leo, uh... You're not. You can't be a member of the pride, like, and you don't even know why it's called pride because we're proud to hunt or something. It was yeah. something like that. Um, <laughs> and also, so um, I found a lot of joy reading the review from uh, Common Sense Media, which, uh, <laughs> if you don't know, it's basically um, like a coalition of uh, reviewers that kind of look at a bunch of movies um, and give a review of it, and kind of give guidelines to parents. And uh, this is my favorite. So um, every article, when they're talking about a movie, has the question, is it any good? And the one uh, part of it says, the most glaring problem of the movie, lions are obligate carnivores. Even if they were capable of choosing a wedge of provolone cheese to the prey they chase, kill, and eat in their natural habitat, they must eat meat to obtain the nutrients they need to survive. And uh, they go on to talk about, because, and this is something I'm sure you noticed and found disturbing, um, Leo the Lion, his character design, he is skin and bones. He's emaciated. Yes. He's, he, he, like, I hate to his, say it. His ribs are sticking out. Wh- whatever happened to him is classified as a war crime. I, like, he, he, somebody has kept him in captivity and not fed him for, like, eight years. I mean, but John, he is a vegetarian. Fair enough, yeah. Because every vegetarian I know is so... They all weigh like 90 pounds, and they all have an iron deficiency. And I guess this movie is accurate because vegetarians love to bring up that they are vegetarians. Yeah. 
That's uh, the, I mean, that's that's the only identifying characteristic of a vegetarian. Except Leo still eats uh, dairy products, which is confusing because that's not how um, the jungle or the desert works. Like, I don't know where he's getting sundaes, ice cream sundaes, as he ex- exclaims at the end of his long song. The, during the song, they bring up food that, like, you would need to cook and really prepare. They talk about, like, stir-fry. Oh, you mean, okay, here, I wrote this. Do you this, have the list? I wrote this in, so the first, how this oh, vegetarian God. song starts that ends the movie for nine minutes is these two <laughs> monkeys. These racist, they're racist monkeys. Yeah, for some reason they have, like, Rasta hats? Yeah, it's... And it's not explained at all. They, well, it's because it's... They no, have two, three No offense lines. to the Italian people, or Italy as a country right now. It's a, it's a little, like, like right-wing, and I think there yeah. are uh, some pervasive stereotypes. But it's also weird, because not all of the monkeys have them. It's like, they saw a movie... They, they've seen movies where, randomly, some character will have, like a cool vibe to them or something like they'll yeah. they'll wear like sunglasses or something so they're like oh we'll do that except these characters are not in the movie at all but yeah they stylize these characters like they they have char- they have uh, like significant characteristics and uh like personality but they're not in the movie at all and they don't explain it yeah so anyway so how this song starts like, there's not really music at first like it kind of slowly comes in but so the this one monkey sings Leeks and honeydew, baba ganoush and chutney too. I'm s- <laughs> Organic sprouts, oh my. I'm thinking of a dinner of tasty hot stir fry. Yes, I say everyone should give it a try. I have a problem with almost all of those things. Oh, what? Orga- organic sprouts, though. That I think that one actually bothers me the most. Aside from the prepared foods. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're not the, confused o- that the they have The organic specification of the sprouts, they're animals. They're goddamn animals. They have yeah, no idea they, what's organic. Everything's organic. Yeah, exactly. Them. I was about to say. Um, so then that goes into uh, the vegetarian song where uh, Leo proclaims, I'm a vegetarian, not a veterinarian. He's not. like, what rhymes with vegetarian? What, I think the better question is, what almost <laughs> rhymes with vegetarian, but would piss everyone off because it's close, but it's not quite there. And because when somebody says, like, oh, I don't eat meat. Uh, people go, oh, you're a veterinarian. It's like, yeah. no. No, vegetarian. Not... Yeah, you know we're that... In, we're in the jungle, and we all know what a veterinarian yeah. is. You know, yeah, because there's the food choice, and then there's a profession <laughs> that requires about 20 years of schooling. Often confused. Uh, and then uh, Leo raps at one point, and the one line that stuck out to me was, I eat a lot of beans even though they make me toot. Yeah. I mean, that, I, that's I, accurate. I was like, this movie went the entire time without making a fart joke, really excited, and then that came in. It wasn't even a... He was just matter of... A lot of this film was just matter of fact. They're like, this is how I am. Yeah, who, I'm a it, it, it doesn't bat an eye at any of the issues. It just keeps trucking along. I mean, it, trucking along is a very generous uh, way to describe this Stumbling. Movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and while we're on the subject of song lyrics... Um, so we are talking about this weird chameleon that's magic in some way. In she, she might be my the part of the film that I hate the most. Yeah. So they so the whole movie is that they're traveling to the heart of the jungle, which they don't really explain what that means. It's either inside of you, uh, somewhere. Oh, in it the is jungle, inside of you. But it's also a real place. It's both inside of you, a real place, and some place that is guarded by this chameleon that doesn't actually exist and is neither outside of you or within you. It's, yeah. I feel like it's almost like. Uh, I'm Jewish, so I'm probably going to mess this up. What is it? Uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Yeah. I feel like that's the heart of the jungle. 
There's some sort of trifecta <laughs> going on. I think so. Yeah, and but so she has this long ass song about nothing. It's about like friendship or whatever. It's like being nice. So the one line that stuck out to me is laugh as laugh as loudly as you can, then watch how big your heart expands. That is that is something else altogether. Like a growing heart, that's a nice sentiment, but an expanding heart is a really serious condition that needs to be checked out. Yeah, a growing heart is emotional. An expanding expanding heart, heart, that's a physical issue. It's really technical, which is weird. My arteries have hardened. How wonderful is that? (laughs) And then the kids later sing that, like sing a reprise of that song, specifically that line. Oh, I don't. I feel like we're definitely bouncing around throughout the film because there's so many things to get upset about. Yeah. But bringing her up uh, reminds me that so throughout the film, um, Leo randomly acquires five uh, small children of various different five different types of animal kids. Yeah. Cubs. So there's a fire in the jungle, and so everybody just runs away. First off, don't they call them elephant cubs? They call them yes. elephant cubs, right? That's not what an elephant. Uh, I couldn't tell called. you what they're called, but, but it's, it's not, not that. that. No, no, not not at all. I'm pretty sure anything anything that's not an adult animal they refer to as a cub. They're like, oh, that's a monkey cub. Look at that snake cub. Um, they're called calves. They're called calves. That that makes sense. I I would say if yeah. I were a zoologist, um, <laughs> he acquires like five five baby animals that he needs to get home. He, the two elephants, which needs to return to the the queen. Uh, what is it? Uh, there's like a little cheetah um, or like a, le- a leopard. Yeah, a little leopard uh, or a cheetah, uh, a zebra, a monkey, a monkey and, and the two baby elephants. And a zebra, right? Yeah. So the he gets the zebra back home, right? Oh, boy. Are we talking about this scene now? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, what? You mean where uh, a bunch of different types of animals breastfeed from a zebra? <laughs> yeah. There's, there's so much breastfeeding in this film. It As is. in more than zero for this movie. So the whole – I'm kind of confused why it happened. So all the kids – oh, all the kids are chanting, <laughs> we want milk. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember Nanu the monkey saying that, which Nanu, he's a he's – a, He's such a – he's a He's, he's a an asshole. Yeah. Um, he just – he jumps around a lot. Um, but uh, so they're all chanting, we want milk, and <laughs> – they spot the zebra. That, this is like first off. This is like fetish porn. Yeah. Oh well, we'll get into that part, the one part later. But uh, they see the zebra that presumably is the zebra, the baby zebra's mom. And instead of being like, "Great, you're reunited," they like trip her, and Leo scares her, and then he's like, "Sorry, we just like we have a bunch of babies that need milk," and then. They they suckle on the zebra, and after they're done, you like you see like suckle, her suckle on the zebra. Yeah, this you is see, what this you is what see like into. udders. Oh yeah, they're like three D zebra nipples that I I can almost uh, guarantee or not to scale. No, and then they disappear like the next shot. Yeah, which I I mean I was I was grateful for. Oh yeah, yeah. no, no it didn't need don't to be get there me wrong. Yeah, I was not like. And oh, that, that's where did what they go? one of. Two breastfeeding scenes, if I'm not mistaken. Wait, which is the other breastfeeding Don't scene? They, aren't the elephants breastfeeding at one point? Uh oh yeah oh at the very beginning when Leo yeah it opens helps, with breastfeeding yeah when Leo helps deliver uh, elephant calves. God, it I I like as you can see I just my brain is like is short circuiting just trying to go through everything. Yeah. Also, so I, John John does not have notes of any kind. Like he just came in and he's like, oh I've seen this enough. I'm oh good. yeah, I've seen this movie like I would say. 
four or five times maybe within like the last three or four months because every once in a while I'm like I hate myself <laughs> let's let's uh, let's do this and like I want to watch more movies like this just for the hatred of it but I did give it a thumbs down on Netflix because I'm like I don't want Netflix thinking I enjoyed that movie I see I have the like this weird thing where I'm not sure what to give it so I can't rate it because I want to see more movies like that but I'm afraid they're just going to give me regular bad movies and not like exceptionally yes. astoundingly bad movies I will say we've watched stuff for the podcast where it is just kind of frustratingly and boringly bad. Yeah, where like nothing happens. It's just like a meandering film you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I, like the there are so many. I'm looking at the list now where it's like, oh, those just weren't that good, and I'm kind of in a bad mood watching it. But this at least I just kept yelling, "What? Yeah, and why?" <laughs> Those are those are my favorite. Type. They're like interactive because you're being you're being present, presented with a film that, on its surface, is nonsensical, and I don't think I I want to say there's like a disconnect between like an American and an Italian audience was made. Uh, it's an Italian production, but like our cultures aren't that different. No, and you can't even chalk this up to necessarily lost in translation. Yeah. Even though apparently, and I think Netflix has fixed this since then, but apparently the subtitles oh, yes. used to be 100% off. Yeah. I had, uh, I've had i seen some, I think they changed it by the time I saw it. I saw some screen caps. I can't tell you specifically what they said, but whew, they were not accurate. Well, yeah, it was like instead of water, they kept mentioning like milk. And yeah. it was so... This is, it's, it's like it's fetish porn parading as a children's uh, film. Okay, so here's one of the uh, um, uh, the quotes, the weird misquoted subtitles. Um, Leo Bonecrutcher has seven lives, like a cat. Um, wow, where, where to begin? Uh, we don't want to hurt you. We just want some of your milk. Okay, well, we remember. We know that. So. Oh, yeah, because, you know, oh, it's, it's like there are so many different problems with this film. I keep saying this, but, like, that is... That line is so rapey. Yes. It's it makes me uncomfortable watching this film. It's it's definitely the worst part. Like this this uh zebra is clearly freaked out. Oh, is yeah. not happy. They like force this zebra into breastfeeding these little animals. It's like well almost like using the baby zebra as collateral. Like, well, look, here's your baby. You can feed your baby, but also we need you to uh feed uh, these other non-species of yeah, yours. I, is are there any like um, like film interpretations? Like, oh, this is actually all of this is like Leo's dream, or like imagine Leo as like a criminal. I think I think this entire movie is just him uh, starving to death. So he's having these crazy hallucinations. hallucinations. Like that's, I, that would make a lot of sense. And at, and as the light is leaving his eyes, that's when he ha- does his rap about all the different foods that he eats. And he's he's like. <laughs> On his deathbed, like, de- I, I can respect that. He's standing by his morals. He's declaring he's a vegetarian as he dies. Yeah, so he can be back with his mom. I, I guess. But we don't even know if she actually died, because he's probably starving back then. Yeah, you're right. And you know what? You didn't see... You We didn't see... I mean, we did see her dead body, I guess. Maybe he was aborted, uh, like, immediately. And then this is like... I, What's I, happening? <laughs> Wait. See, <laughs> this, is, this is my conspiracy. Now. Okay. I think maybe maybe Leo was never born, or maybe like, there was like a miscarriage. But this was like his experience as he like le- left the womb and was like dying. His moments, oh, okay. Final moments, first and final moments. 
I see saying that feels inappropriate, but based off the content of the film, I feel like I get a pass. Yeah, I mean, also the movie just abruptly starts. Like it's blackness, <laughs> and then it just says, it just says like, "Oh, here's the film by this person," and it's just dis. It just says Leo the Lion and like horns. But the narration starts immediately. Yes. Like there's like a, like three uh, three intro credits or three uh, slides of intro credits. But they're they're talking over it while it's like produced by directed by by which, all these very hard to pronounce Italian names. Yeah. It's there's nothing right about this film. No, not at all. Um. Uh. Let's see. What? Oh. So I mean, I keep going to the ending rap because there's just so much there. It, that's but, actually my favorite part. I, I've got an argument with my sister. She prefers the Maximus Elefante. Uh, I'm a huge Nazi. I'm evil and not hiding it at all. Song. And I prefer the I'm a vegetarian, which is four verses too long. <laughs> And Leo raps. Yeah, well, there's because there's great imagery. You see Leo on like a food roller coaster at one point, uh, and then he also there's also a one shot where he's like Pac Man. Oh yeah, there's like a Pac Man view um, where he's just like eating fruit. I think. He's also like playing and like he's playing fake video games. Yeah, and there's one point where he's laying there. I I don't know where there is because it's kind of like foggy all around him. You there's no perspective to this film either. Like the way it's uh, was rendered like everything in the on the horizon is just flat and smooth. They could be on Mars for all we know. Um, but he's watching clips from the film during the song. Yes, like there's a screen and no projector, so I don't know why where this is coming from. But he's watching the film. I guess it, maybe it's like, from maybe from the afterlife. Yeah, I think so. or or like he's trying to relate to kids. Like, hey, you just watched this movie. Why don't you go eat some vegetables now? Yeah. Even also, though- uh, it ends. The song ends. Doesn't it end with him? The roller coaster crashes into a giant banana. That's the moon. <laughs> I, I think so. I watched it, but I I was so just dead in the eyes by the end that yeah. I was just in denial. Well, I, I there is a pre credit scene that they also just copy and paste into a post credit scene. Oh yeah, where um the two Rasta monkeys are like goofing around. He roars. They run away scared. And he winks at the camera and smiles. Saying, and says, shh. Which means, maybe I'm not a vegetarian, I'm going to eat these monkeys? I'm not sure what he means by that. Or maybe it's like, you get, like I, I can't be scary because I'm a vegetarian. Or it could also mean, I made you watch this film. Sorry. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. This is our dirty little secret. Dude. Uh, great song. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh... And I gotta assume that so there aren't a lot of re- reviews of this online because no one's really seen it. But uh, which is a huge shame. Everyone should see this film. I cannot reiterate that enough. I've said it's nonsense. I said I hate it. I don't know if I've said that. I will say it, I hate it. But like, if hate and love are a spectrum, I hate it so much that it just flips all the way to the other side of the spectrum. Yeah, I think so. I, I love how terrible this is. I mean. Love is a very odd term to put with this movie, but and and we'll rate it in a, in a minute or two. But yeah, they, um, yeah. So it has one star from Common Sense Media. Oh, that is kind. That is incredibly Say, generous. And the subtitle is just horrible animated tale about a bullied vegetarian lion. There's a so you know how there's a lot of uh, a lot of podcasts now where it's like. I'm going to watch the same movie once a week for a year, and we're going to talk oh, about is that, it. Oh, is that what you want to do with Leo the Lion? I don't, but uh, I read... So I went... On, I looked, researched this significantly. I found a Reddit thread uh, of a, uh, a guy... Uh, I 
from the U.S. whose daughter, like young daughter, maybe like two or three years old, loves the film, absolutely loves it, watches it all the time, and he was like, he essentially said he's watched this movie like double digit times. And every time his, his daughter demands it to be on like every day almost. Oh my god! And every time he watches it, he 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 talks about how he questions like not just like <laughs> the film, but he, he started to question like his own sanity. And meanwhile, his daughter's in the background like clapping and singing along. It's <sighs> it's it sounds torturous, but I would like to hear what this guy has to say. Yeah, I would on a podcast. I would love to have him on and just be like, yeah, you yeah, will watch this a couple more times. But like, uh, yeah, it's. It, it almost borders on so bad that it's hard to even kind of justify it and be like, oh, this is a fun time. Yeah. But... Because um, it, I think it blindsides you in its badness, like, consistently. Because it starts off, like, first person... I think after the credits, it starts off, like, first person view, like, Windows 98 computer game yes. as Leo being born. And then it, it changes perspective, like, 10 or 15 times for no reason. At one point... It's uh, you're from the perspective of a bouncing snake. It's like a, it's oh, shaped in a coil, I, and you're watching it from the snake's perspective, and it just switches back to the story. I also could not tell why that snake was there. Oh, like, there's no there's no reason for the snake to be there, or for anything really. Yeah, uh, but th- you have that like problems with perspective. There's problems with the songs, problems with the dialogue, problems with the animation. I think the voice acting is probably the only thing that's okay. Because I think that they, because um, I'm not. Because I've read a little bit about when we've done Studio Ghibli movies for the podcast, and for the most part, they have to rewrite the dialogue to make it accurate, but also to make it kind of fit the mouths. Oh, yeah. And I feel like uh, with this movie, they needed to make it fit the mouths, but they just didn't really give that much effort to make it natural. So there's yeah. like weird pauses, and like the the everybody's just kind of jumping on top of each other with dialogue. Yeah, it feels like that one scene from the room where he walks in uh, to the flower shop. Yes, and it's like, "Hi, Johnny. Hey, how you doing? Oh, you're my favorite customer. Thank bye. you. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Yeah. yeah, that. I mean, that's basically this movie in a nutshell. Um, uh, there's also there's one line where the queen elephant's dead husband. It was a flashback. Oh god. And they're talking about like babies and he's they're like talking about like colors or whatever for like girl or boy and he goes pink or blue i've always been partial to gray myself yeah you know those gray babies yeah babies babies but uh, uh i'm trying to think are there any uh last thoughts that you have about this before uh we go into rating this um because there's so i mean there's obviously an endless amount of things that we can talk yeah, about yeah there's I, the one thing that I will say, we've discussed how bad this film is and how, uh, I, I would even say inexplicably inexplicably bad. I, I think that's, and this will probably lead us into the rating, I, I would encourage everyone to see it because it is exceptional in how wrong they were in every aspect of this film. Yes. Like, and w- what I like about movies like this is that it came from some sincere place at some point but it just got bogged down by just laziness just getting it out there because i mean so many of these movies like uh uh, birdemic the room uh they all kind of start off with like somebody who is ill-equipped to make a movie trying to make a movie and all these people just being like okay like we'll do what you want and then just that's just how this thing gets sidetracked yeah i'm not even sure who 
who was the leading artistic voice on this? I don't think there was one. I think that it, might be the problem. I think it was a vegetarian. It also might be like the you know the Italian Department of Agriculture was like, here's what we want. This also, is the film we want to make. Also, quick question: Do you think this movie is positive or negative about vegetarians? Because um, I honestly, it's not, I it's went back and forth so many times. Yeah, it's, it doesn't take a hard stance either way. Um, I think the only statement you can make is the film thinks that vegetarianism is something we need to discuss to death. Yeah. But not meaningfully at all. We're not in depth. And we not just even, need to talk about it on a very surface level for an hour 20 uh, in the context of uh, Alliance. And not even really going into like the politics and like the reasons that people are vegetarian. He's just like, oh, I'm vegetarian. He's I don't like to way. hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Which also is not how I'm vegetarian. pretty sure the film opens with, with him as like, a cub being like, I don't want to hunt. I want to eat grass. Yeah, that's sure. That's <laughs> that's how it works. Um, so anyway, now now uh, let's rate this. So uh, as always, we rate everything uh, for this podcast on a scale of zero to five. You can be as minute and specific with your uh, decimal points and numbers and stuff as you'd like. So, uh, John, what are you what are you thinking? Five point one. <laughs> breaking breaking the scale. Jesus. No, I will give it. Yeah. I will give it. Um, oh God, is there like is are there parameters? Do you have a rubric handy? I do not. Uh, I will say. I will say our lowest rated movie right now is um, uh, a show from the '90s in Canada called Reboot, which was also be- terrible CGI. And the highest movie is Paddington. Paddington one or two. One. We have. Oh, we haven't dived into. Two I heard yet. Paddington Two was the most delightful film on earth. It. The description I've got of Paddington Two sounds like it's the a complete opposite of this film. Yeah, anyway. I. I nearly rented it when I was like living at home, and my mom looked at me and was like, "Do Do you actually want to watch this?" Like it was one of the first times in a while that I felt genuine fear and sadness in my mother in a decision I made. <laughs> Actually, I did watch Paddington 1 recently. Very whimsical. I heard 2, I heard two is like it answers if all Paddington your came to life and was like 10 feet tall and just snuggled you up for the entire I'm all time. for it. I loved Paddington. Uh, but back to rating this film. Yeah, so Leo the Lion. Um, if, we're, if we're saying that this is something that I guess in terms of like ne- somebody needing to watch it, I would give it a 5. In terms of like my my recommendation, you got to see this movie. Right. It's a five. In terms of quality, if I were like if I were a uh, like film buff or Roger Ebert um, from coming back from from the dead, uh, God, maybe as like zero point two, and that's like generous because I think just the voice acting. I think the voice acting is the only positive of this. Um. And I want to call it a saving grace, but it doesn't save the film by any means. And if, yeah, I guess zero point two. That's I. I yeah. Every time I try to go into this, my brain's like, uh, 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 too much to too much to process. It's like, hold on now. Um, <coughs> so I'm giving it a point eight. So I'm. Ooh, I want to hear this. I'm kind of with you. I'm honestly not sure why I put it exactly there because point two almost seems too low because it's like, it's watchable and i feel like some kid would be entertained by it and i think it gets it does get a little bit of points because if you're maybe not that parent that has watched over and over again but if it's like you're watching this and you can like your kids are enjoying it for whatever reason you can at least look at your significant other and be like okay this is garbage but we can kind of laugh at it 
So I think that kind of gives it a little bit of value. I mean, obviously, I would love to watch this again with a group of people and have everybody getting just angry and yelling. I think I think you need uh, like a test group because again, like I showed it to a bunch of people, um, and only one person was like, "Let's keep watching." And everybody else was like, "I can't do this. I I can't accept what's happening." Were they all sober? Uh, I want to say no. I would say partially. That's in. I guess it's a. That's a slippery slope because sometimes drunk people watching bad movies is like, yeah. Then other times it's like, I want to just spin in a circle. I instead. think they were just confused. I think that was really it. They didn't. I don't think they found the humor in it. They were just like <laughs> upset by how many things didn't seem right. Yeah. Uh, so so crunching the numbers. Um, oh, sorry. I got an email from uh, Lemonade because that uh, online. Uh, 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 insurance company because I was like, oh, what if I bought insurance? But oh, I thought uh, it was from uh, like the Beyonce album, and I was like, yeah. oh, they're still she, shooting emails. She was like, like, hey, you're flawless. And I'm you, like, you haven't listened you. to this in a month and a half. Come on, Ross. It's time. As a as a gay man, I'm doing very poorly in uh, the <laughs> Beyonce re-listen department. Uh, so uh, crunching the numbers, we are giving Leo the Lion 0.5, which officially makes it our lowest rated movie. Woo! So congratulations. Yeah, thank Sorry, you. Sorry, reboot. Also, and, the 0.2... I, the only reason I'm giving that is because I feel like 0.1 is is too low for anything. I yeah I think so. I'm curious if someday there will be a movie on this podcast where it cannot be saved. Like there is nothing redeemable about it. I don't even know what that would look like. I'm not sure either because I mean Leo the Lion is close. <laughs> yeah, it's getting there. But yeah, so sorry, uh, previous guest uh, Drew, who was in uh, your Drew Clemens. Yeah, he was oh, in uh, uh, John's production. Uh, during the Philadelphia Fringe Festival, um, but before we go, so we ta- I talked a little bit about Common Sense Media. So one thing that is really fun about them is that with every movie that they review, they have discussion questions for uh, your kids. So after the movie is done, <laughs> so like if ET or something, if it's like scary, it's like what do you like? Do you think the those government people like if they needed to get rid of people uh, get rid of et and study him or did they should have they have kept him with uh elliot so uh i found some of the questions that they asked and we're gonna try to answer them in a segment we're gonna call talk to your kids teach your children well their father's hell did slowly go by um i'm trying to think how like a question like uh, that about E.T., like a thoughtful question um, discussing the content of the film. I'm trying to think how they would create a question like that for Leo the Lion. Because there's no, like, consistent thread that you could say, like, let's discuss this aspect. So, all of the questions are pretty, like, ham-fisted and just being right. mean to the movie. So the, so, the one is obviously, like, there's a question about vegetarian uh, vegetarianism. So, we don't really need to answer that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've, we've talked about that. The third lot. question, and you can go to the Common Sense Media page about Leo the Lion. The third question that they ask is, what are some of the ways in which this movie attempts to copy Pixar movies? Pixar movies? I felt, I thought a lot, like, there are, like, f- four or five straight, like, stolen scenes stolen from The Lion King. Yeah. Like, his, mo- his mother's death, uh, hanging on the cliff, the, the hyenas, uh... Uh, Maximus Elefante having the elephants march. They're straight goose-stepping during his song. Also, his song might as well be called I'm the Antagonist and I'm Evil as Hell. He at no point tries to hide how evil he is. He Every single scene, he's like, I'm evil. <laughs> yeah, he he threatens uh, 
elephant babies and is like, I you I will squash you like grapes. Yeah. And uh, great great job trying to win these uh, kids' favor. But yeah, so I mean, like, you're right. Like, those are very obvious ways that they copy Pixar movies. I mean, I think in general, just trying to have, like, animals that have, like, a lighthearted, goofy side. Like, I guess this feels very similar to A Bug's Life in I a way. I haven't seen that in years, yeah. No, I oh, neither. I honestly, I, I think I had this revelation that I don't know if I've actually ever watched A Bug's Life all the way through. Like, just from childhood, and then it was always like one where it's like, eh, I don't know if I want to watch A Bug's Life. I think, see, I, I would I would watch that. I definitely enjoyed it when I was a kid. Um, the one thing that just uh, came to mind, oh, God, what was that movie called? Um, oh, James and the Giant Peach. It's not Pixar, but, like, that movie is, like, scary as hell. Like, almost almost a nightmare. Yeah. It's very, very similar. But at but the same time, there are, like, parts of it. Like, it's still kind of, it's manageable, and it yeah. has kind of that Tim Burton creepiness. But exactly. it's, it's, like, it's over the top enough that a kid is like, okay. But it also has, I think, like a, uh, like a system of morality to this. This is, like, a nihilistic film. Where it's it, it this film believes in nothing. There's it, it hands you a, a, like a bunch of concepts, like vegetarianism, yeah, um, and like uh, like the mother child relationship and things like that. Um, but at no point discusses them meaningfully. At no point gives any of these things any weight. It's basically like these are things that exist in the world, and we as filmmakers take no stance on any of it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely just a huge issue in general uh like i mean the entire movie is just like what if pixar but bad um and then uh this the last question that is is generous yes um the last question is and this is a the common sense media says that you can ask your child this if you could remake this movie how would you improve it (laughs) oh my god Uh, because i mean like I'll, i'll preface and say that so many of these movies where it's just like it's quickly made it's like oh it's a kids movie um like it doesn't really matter like i what i've found from watching these movies is like the good movies are ones that don't condescend like kids are stupid but they're not dumb it's also like these films are a learning experience like you could you like i i remember growing up and like learning about different like interpersonal relationships uh, and different just life experiences through these films that I didn't understand maybe the first time I was watching it. But after a couple uh, a couple of, like watches, you, you kind of understand, like, oh, this is what love is supposed to be. This is what this is supposed to be. I mean, mm-hmm. it's definitely, you know, there are some things that they, you know, put on high and romanticize. But at the same time, you get a general sense of, like, this is positive, this is negative. None of that happens in this film. Not at all. Uh, and the, like they even have another question where it's like, what are some of the messages this movie attempts to convey? Do you think the movie makes its point? And what I, not, point? <laughs> yeah, what is the point of this movie? Because it's not, it doesn't like uh, common sense media and a bunch of people that have watched this have just wondered like, is this like fr- meat eater propaganda or is it vegetarian propaganda? Like what? What? Yeah. Why are we watching this? So my my guess is that the vegetarianism is supposed to be uh, like his adversity. It's that it's his mom dying, which creates the relationship with Uncle Lope. Yes, he's a lion whose quote unquote uncle is an antelope named Uncle Lope. You know, it's weird. They never made a joke about like, well, I'll be a monkey's uncle or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. They made every other joke. Also, like, constant cliche lines. Yeah. Yeah. And like, nothing even, 
like not even like a cliche that makes sense in the movie. Just like yeah. tossing everything at the window. Yeah. Or at the wall, not the window. It was like a cliche line generator. Especially we didn't get into talking about the the alligators, which are possibly. Oh my dinosaurs. god. How did we miss that? I know. The there this the alligator shows out of nowhere, does like a weird like I like it, it basically is like a like a like a drag queen number. Just like very loud and it's a lot of it's underwater, so it's like auto tuned. Yeah. Uh so it, that's a whole thing that we but, forgot yeah. to get. So we we're into. talking about well, fixing the film. Um What's your stance on vegetarianism? Hammer that out. The fact that they switch perspective. It's like first person, third person. First person from a character that's not even in the film. Oh, yeah. Um, get rid get rid of the narrator. Yeah. Um, they s- slow-mo at random times. But to your point, not appropriate slow-mo where they, they do extra frames. It's just they take what they had and just slow it Yeah, it's down. like they had a flip book and was just like, now I'm going to do it slower. Yeah. Um, Maximus Elefante has... No character development. The film essentially opens with him taking the leader of the elephant. Uh, what, what, what is it? I guess it's a pack of elephants. Yeah, and just basically throwing him in front of a poacher, and him being shot, and then him being like, "All right, I guess I'm king now." Um, so I would probably hide the fact that he's evil and not have him march around going, "I'm evil." And also make me king. And also not have the antelope be kind of like complicit in it because he's like, "I knew." Yeah. I love that because he's <laughs> Uncle Lope is like in the bushes watching this all go down, and he doesn't. Does he? I, he presumably keeps his mouth shut for like a while. Yeah, he keeps like from the the elephant husband's death. I don't until it it's basically already figured out. What's the gestation period for a, a baby elephant? I think it's like eighteen months or like two years. It, it it's long. Yeah. So he could have been holding on to this inf- if she was just pregnant. He might have been holding on to this for like a year and a half or two years. Didn't even tell Leo during that time. Definitely didn't tell the wife. Oh, absolutely not. I feel like that's pretty uh, pretty pertinent. Like that's a thing that like that's just classic uh, like security. See something, say something. And if it involves a high up official, you say something, yeah. Uncle Leo, Uncle Uncle Loeb. Exactly. Loeb. I also I would flesh out uh, the. Um, the interactions between the animal groups, because I'm not really sure how they feel about one another. These different yeah. packs of animals. Because it's not even like, like that would have been fun if it's like the Leo and the, uh, and Uncle Lope are looking for the heart of the jungle, and all these animals are coming together and being like, okay, our entire all of our homes were destroyed, and kind of they're all kind of learning to coexist uh, as different species yeah. together. It's like a Finding Nemo situation where they're like traveling. Because this is re- really what it is. It's like the hero's journey. Except the hero in this film is unclear. I guess it's Leo, but I don't want to say that. And he's that. a vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah, uh, even Common Sense Media is just like, I guess he's a, a protagonist, but he also, no other character has anything really to work with. It's so. by default that he's the protagonist, I yeah, think. Yeah, because the movie is called Leo the Lion, and people keep calling him Leo the Lion instead of just Leo. Oh, yeah, as if it's not clear that he's a lion. I guess he's so emaciated, yeah, I was you're say, not sure what he is. He could be like a leopard. Yeah, it's like when they find those like uh, like rabid dogs in the middle of New Mexico, and they're like, is this a coyote? Is it a chupacabra? They do like a DNA test, and they're like, oh, it's just like a super mangy dog that yeah. hasn't been inside in 10 years. <laughs> But that, I think that basically wraps up this discussion. John, thank you so much uh, oh, for, for coming. Yeah. Um. So this, uh, we're a week away 
from Halloween? Do you have any uh, upcoming shows or just things you'd uh, like to plug? Yeah, uh, so I have, I'm not going to be in it, but I've been working my butt off on it. Uh, Gimmick Show uh, is doing a special uh, Halloween episode, uh, Nightmare on Gimmick Street. We're doing a Nightmare on Elm Street parody. Amazing. Uh, where uh, you should come see it. Okay. There's a ridiculous Nightmare character. Um, and so that's uh, October 26th and 27th at the Philly Improv Theater. I think it's at 10 p.m. on those nights, part of their Halloween scheduling. Um, and uh, we also uh, doing a show. Uh, I say we. My uh, improv group, uh, Sad Boys Rugby Club. Uh, you may applaud. Great name. Uh, we uh, got picked up for a couple more shows at uh, Good Good Comedy Theater. First Fridays at 7 p.m. Party with the Sad Boys. Amazing. Uh, Great. It is a uh, really silly uh, improv show. That is not your your typical improv show. I love it. And uh, as always, you can find uh, this podcast wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at KidFlixPod. And uh, give us a rate and review on iTunes. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really all for today. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly probably going to go home and watch this movie again. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, don't. I, I, I actually didn't tell you that. I forgot to mention this. So uh, it was like I went to, I like went to see a stand-up show uh, and then I came home and I realized like, oh, crap, I still haven't watched Leo the Lion. Like I'd been putting it off and being like, oh, when I have a quiet night, I'll watch it. Put it off so long. And I was like watching this. And meanwhile, like I was like getting, I was like also trying to talk on Tinder and stuff. <laughs> and I was... I could not tell them what I was doing because, first of all, I don't want to have to explain that I have a podcast to people on Tinder. Yeah. And also, I don't want to have to explain what Leo the Lion is. You can. So I just said Frasier and called it a night. Um, the, the, uh, the one thing I will say before we sign off, I am really thinking about, uh, one, either doing a full hour-long show uh, about this movie, like a presentation showing Please clips of things. Please ha- let me help. I, um, I need... Like, ne- I, it's kind of like... The It Follows monster, now that I have kind of experienced yes. it, I, I am cursed and need to inform the public. And I, I, I do also want to do um, an academic paper, like 20-page uh, like film school paper on this movie. Because I, I, I don't know if it's been done yet. I don't think it has. I think the academic community has really been squandering they're, they're Leo cl- the they're, Lion. They're clamoring for yeah. it. Uh, but uh, thank you all for listening. We will hear you next week, and go, go, Gadget, and show.